All right, we are back with the 105th edition of uh, the Quarantine Cast. I've got a special guest coming on. He's got a fight coming up in December. Been a fan of his for a long time. It's Peter Barrett, Slippery Pete. Uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a little while. Um, without further ado, I'm going to invite him in. Hey, man, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, brother? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. I've been a fan of yours for uh, for a little while now, so I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, absolutely, man. My pleasure. This is the uh, the first time the mustache is making an appearance. It's uh, it's November, so I had to like get rid of the beard, and I'm doing it for prostate cancer. It looks hilarious. Oh, nice. So uh, first things first, man. How's the pandemic been on you? Uh, you I mean, you got to fight in, but uh, overall, how is it? How has it been on you and uh, and your family? Ah, uh, man, it's been crazy. So. Originally, I was scheduled to fight uh, Steve Garcia in April, and that, that fight eventually uh, ended up getting canceled because of the nationwide lockdown. Um, and, you know, every, at that point, like, all the gyms had closed. Nobody was really training, and uh, it was really hard to train. Uh, that being said, my girlfriend is also a nurse in Boston at one of the really, you know, big hospitals. So... Her life was crazy at work every day, having to, to work around um, the pandemic and Corona positive people all the time. So we had like a couple a couple juggling acts going on at once. But, um, you know, once everything calmed down and we started training again and like, you know, all those brain chemicals were working properly, everything got much better real quick. Did I see that there's new uh, restrictions there in uh, in, in uh, that area? Like, are they shutting things down at night? Is that... Is is that new or is that just something I heard and it's probably not accurate at all? No, uh, Charlie Baker had like this big press conference for Massachusetts today and pretty much said uh, you there's like an, a, a recommended curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. All restaurants have to pretty much, you know, shut down by 10 and have everybody out, out and at home. Um, which is really weird. I think it's 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 restaurants, gyms, any sort of social places. Uh, that people could gather um, have to be shut down by 10 p.m. But um, I think it's really strange. I think I'm pretty sure if I heard correctly that in that same address, they said that they don't believe people are catching Corona at restaurants, um, but they want the restaurants to be shut down by 10, which sucks because outside of fighting, I also bartend. Yeah. And that's like a big hit on, on my, my uh, pay my bills money. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, how's it going to affect your training? I mean, obviously, news of your fight coming up. But do you know if there's anything there? Are you still going to be able to train? Uh, is it going to hinder you uh, in that regard? I mean, I was at Lozon's today, and Joe Joe stays pretty hip to all that stuff, and he didn't mention anything. Um, but that being said, we may have been grappling before the press conference went off. But as far as I know, from what I understand, it's it's like a curfew. They're trying to get people in their houses a lot sooner. Um, in the evening than they do than anything else. So I think training is going to be fine. I think uh, the the way that the gyms that I train at are handling it are in accordance to the health department. So um, I don't think it's going to interrupt too much unless it gets worse. Who knows? Like I, I, I told my little brother today, I'm like, dude, next week is going to make the summer look like a walk in the park after this election, depending, regardless of which way it goes. You with know. that being, yeah, with that being said, man, you've got your, you've got your fight. I mean, I was very excited for it. I mean, lots of eyes on Chase Hooper. So what's your thought on, uh, on that matchup? Um, I think he has really solid jujitsu. Obviously he's won Pan Ams as a brown belt. 
Um, but I think his striking sucks, and he is game. He's dangerous, but you know, in his last fight, we we were really able to witness and see that with a solid, you know, sprawl anti jujitsu approach, you can keep that fight standing and punish him. Do you think it's harder to to prep for a fighter like that? I mean, obviously, you know what he's going to do. He's going to try to take you down. Um, but do, is it is it easier? Is it more difficult to fight someone who's such a specialist? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I know he's going to be looking for my legs. We, we've been we've been drilling and covering that position a lot, making sure that you know I have you know a game plan for any situation that arises. You know, if, if this is if this is where he attacks, this is my defense. If this is where he attacks, this is my defense. Uh, so we're just we're just really learning those situations and those positions a lot. And then, you know, starting to roll from from those positions. So it's it's giving me the ability to explore and see the the limits of what's safe in, in every direction. So in that respect, no, I think it makes it a little bit easier because we can we can grab some low-hanging fruit of the most dangerous situations. You can put me in and prepare for him. And then outside of that, just get really crisp on my striking and on my stand-up. Um, because, you know, his, his, his stand-up is lazy. He throws really long ones and twos and falls in. You know, he strikes and falls in and strikes and leaves his chin out. Um, and he gets hit a lot and he, and he takes a lot of takes a lot but uh that's that's the opportunity that we're going to capitalize on staying inside of that jab and really putting a beating on him you have to imagine working with a guy like joe lozon um you know when you go from from you know wrestling and uh and rolling with joe lozon there's not really much that he could offer that you aren't seeing day in and day out so how how significant has joe been not just for this fight but throughout your career oh i mean Joe's been awesome. I, I linked up with Joe, let's say, two years ago, and I've been going over there a few times a week working with him one-on-one. -on -one. Obviously, when everything was open, I was at classes regularly. But uh, he's been very instrumental in the second half of my career as fighting as far as, as, far as like, you know, like that neuroplasticity and remembering that I can learn new things and seeing my progress on the ground, impacting my progress on my feet because, you know, my brain's just in this really, like, state of learning and, 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 and you know if you learn in one area you learn in another because I, I just feel like that's the way your brain works so by adding him in later uh it, it really helped you know reinvigorate certain things um you know i'm sure you're going to dissect this fight inside and out and i'm sure he's going to do the same with your zalal fight uh, i want you to break down that fight um and and what's the biggest lesson you learned from that from that loss I, I would say the biggest thing that I learned from the Zalal fight is that you're going to need a gun to stop me um, because I don't know too many people that would be able to get back up and fight for three rounds after after a spinning heel kick like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I know I've got big balls. I'm strong. I'm, I'm tough. You know, it's, it takes a lot to stop me. Um, yeah, I mean, it, but, yeah, that, that was – there was a lot of little things that I did really well in that fight too. Like uh, he's what, 10 and one, 10 and two, 10 and three, maybe. Um, I'm not, he's 10, 10 wins somewhere or another. And a lot of those are submission wins. And I did a really good job defending all of his submission attempts. I did a really good job defending him uh, when he was on my back. You know, my jujitsu game stepped up really hard for that fight, especially where it was a last minute thing where we focused on, 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 on some really specific things for him that have just carried on into, into my, everyday practice um in, in all my grappling um so tough as shit 
and a lot of a lot of good work with someone you know backpacked on me attacking my neck nonstop. I want to talk about that area. I mean, there's so much. There's like this crazy wave that's coming out of New England right now with guys like Calvin Cater, Rob. Does that like add a little bit more motivation, a little fuel to your fire going into this one, seeing the success out of that region? I uh, I mean, it's always yeah, yes and no. I mean, to live comparatively is no way to live, but. To, to try to ride on someone else's momentum is always a good idea. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talent up here. We're finally getting the, the recognition that we deserve. And, and like, you know, Rob, Calvin, Randy, Emrod, um, you know, even Kyle Bokniak, he's not in the USC anymore, but he was recently. I mean, everybody, we're putting names up there. So uh, we're, we're finally getting the respect that we deserve, which is nice. I want to talk a little bit about your uh, your early days in your career. I mean, you were how old were you when you got signed to the UFC? Was there a time where you were like, maybe this isn't going to happen, and uh, or was that dream always still there, uh, regardless of the age? Um, so I got signed last summer after fighting on the Contender yeah. Series. So I was 33, 32, right before I turned. No, I had just turned thirty three. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lull there when I went to eight zero, and then and then fell to. 10 and three. I mean, that was, that was a pretty harrowing spot in my career that kind of really made me second guess everything. But you know, the, this, the, the people that I keep around me kept me motivated and helped keep me focused to keep me on the path to get me here. What ultimately drew, drew you to the sport? I mean, when I, when I think about uh, what got me into it, it was rampage Jackson tearing down the door. That was the stuff. That was the moment that was like, okay, I, I like this, these guys, but was there one, one moment where you're like, okay, this is, this is the road I want to take with my career. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably right after my first amateur fight that I lost, uh, you know, a, a decision to, and it was just like, it just lit a fire underneath my ass. I'm like, I wanted to fight again that night. Like I, it was, it just, uh, it just, like it just lit a fire under my ass. I don't know how else to explain it. It just, it just, I knew that that's what I was here to do and that's what I wanted to do. And that I could just put everything into it and push forward for it. When uh, I kind of built this platform at the beginning of the pandemic by by making matchups, like after every event, I'd be like, so-and-so should fight so-and-so. That being said, uh, is there a matchup that uh, – I know you're probably not going to look past Chase Hooper, but is there a matchup in the division or outside of the division, whether it's realistic or not realistic, a guy who used to fight, that you like one day would be like, you know what, I'd love to fight that guy, whether it's someone you idolized, someone you disliked. I mean, I haven't. I've never really thought that way about it. So if if I, if I were to to give you a name right now, it would really be on the spot. Um, but you know, my, my game plan coming into it was, you know, get my first three or four fights out of the way, rack up some wins, and then start calling people out. So I haven't even really put too much thought in or or time or energy into that. Building on that note that you just you just pointed out, you wanted to get some wins. Do you? I've had I've had a conversation with guys like Kyle Nelson, and they said that they don't feel like they're part of the UFC roster until they get that W. Do you feel that way? Man, Kyle's a good dude. I know Kyle. Me and him trained together back at uh, Team Alpha Male a few years ago. He's a kid from Canada, right? He's a lightweight yeah. or featherweight. Yeah, we we actually we stayed we we lived together for a week while we were out there. He's a super cool dude. But yeah, absolutely. Like I'm in the UFC, but I don't have a win yet. It says. You know, my record, UFC 0-1. I need that thing to say 1-1, 2-1, Hey, look at this guy. He's here to stay, you know. So um, definitely it'll be it'll be better with a win. 
most definitely be better after I put Chase Hooper away. And uh, I couldn't ask, couldn't go without asking this this question. I mean, you've got one of my favorite nicknames in the sport. How did that come about? So Slippery Pete, uh, it came about uh, came from my stepdad. Actually, we were we had like a family party over at my mom's. Um, and we had been drinking, eating good food, you know, having a grand old time. And we were recounting and reminiscing about all these, about all these vacations that we had been on. And one of my stepsisters, you know, she was like, oh, I remember this one, this one, that one, this one, that one. I remember all these times that we went away as a family, but I don't remember Peter being there, my stepdad. And he was a little bit older and at his time, he's since passed away, um, and, you know, he, we had been drinking wine all night. He looked up and he goes, who, Slippery Pete? He was always there, but he was out chasing the women. So that happened. It was, you know, hilarious. I went back to the gym on Monday, was telling my buddies the story that I trained with about it. And they were like, dude, I think that's it. That we're going we're gonna to stick with that one. And uh, that's how Slippery Pete was created. Man, I love that story. You know, you usually hear about, you know, the way you fight or something like that. And the fact that it... It originated based on that. Was uh, yeah, I was a, I was quite the man whore when I was younger, and, and apparently everybody <laughs> thought it was hilarious, and that's that's where it came from. Oh, that's great, man! I, I, I love that. I love that. There's a uh, there's a big fight coming up at the end of the month, um, and I I can't go without asking your predictions for it. Uh, Davison Figueroa versus Alex Perez. Have you had the opportunity to meet either of those guys, and and uh, what's your prediction for it? Man. Um, Honestly, no, I haven't, and I and and I, I'm just hoping that they both bring a high level game, so we are all entertained. You know, the worst is when you get two high level guys that are afraid of each other and they're not willing to put their to risk it to 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 win the fight, and then you, you end up with two guys that stalk each other for five rounds, not two guys that beat the shit out of each other for five rounds. So, I just want to see a high level fight and and, and and an enjoyable fight at that. All right, I'll ask you. Uh, I'll ask you one last question, and then I'll uh, and then I'll let you go. For people who haven't seen you, maybe didn't watch your your Zalal fight or didn't watch you on the Contender series, what's one thing that you could say about your style that uh, separates you from from a lot of the guys that are in the forty five division? It's some highly calculated violence. I mean, I like to get in there and I like to put a beating on the guys that I'm fighting. Uh, my best fights are when I come out hot. You know, the slow starts are the ones that have you know, haven't necessarily gone the best way for me, much like the Zalal fight. Uh, but when I come out firing, guns blazing, you know, the dudes are normally put away real quick, and that, that's what I'm looking to bring with Hooper. I love it, man. Thank you so much for the time. And uh, if this is the chance, uh, can you plug your uh, your social media or anybody, uh, any sponsors out there you want to shout out? Yeah, for sure. Get at uh, get after me on Instagram at SlipperyPete145. Uh, you can follow my gyms. Uh, it's sit Boston, SYT Boston, uh, Lozon MMA, Skill of Strength, uh, a couple of sponsors, Sheath Underwear. That's also how I uh, am connected with Kyle Nelson. He's got a good sponsorship with them too. Sheath's been awesome for us. Um, Butcher Box usually hooks it up. I always sell my T-shirts. If you guys want to get in on some of my on some of my merch, let me know. Uh, it's always affordable. And dude, just follow me on Instagram. I keep it hilarious. All right, I will. Uh, I will definitely be reaching out for you. I want one of those. Uh, I want one of those sweaters, man. I like it. And uh, thanks again, man. I appreciate the time and the best of luck in December. Most definitely, dude. I appreciate it. All right, all the best. Peace. All right, there you have it, man. Slippery Pete Barrett. I've been a fan of his for uh, for a long time. Um, 
Also, make sure you guys donate if you haven't for prostate cancer. I'm wearing this thing literally uh, to raise money for uh, for prostate cancer. So without further ado, man, if you guys can like, comment, and subscribe, it's the least you can do. I have to wear this. So the least you can do is like, comment, and subscribe. Until, uh, until the next time, man, uh, see you guys later. All the best.